welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I am Ben Duncan, and this is a place where prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana share their stories. In today's episode, I am delighted to be joined by Suraj Kumar, a senior success architect for Salesforce specializing in Revenue Cloud. Suraj shares details on his early career and how his Salesforce journey started. We then explore the different hats he has worn and how being open to taking on different roles and responsibilities has been beneficial for his career. Having spent many years working for Salesforce Partners, Suraj talks about his knowledge of the partner ecosystem and gives some insight on what he feels makes a great consultant. Suraj also details how and why he came to focus on CPQ. Suraj has been working for Salesforce for almost a year, so he explains what his role is, shares some insight into the customer success team, and explains why he has taken on the responsibility of being a trailblazer guide and why he is passionate about mentoring aspiring trailblazers. I really hope you enjoy the episode. And if you do, please do subscribe for future episodes that are coming through. Suraj, how are you? I'm good, Ben. Thanks. And how are you? Doing well, thanks. Doing well for a Monday afternoon. Can't complain. (laughs) But yeah, look, thank you very much for coming on the show. I've been aware of your career over the years. We've never worked that closely together, but I've obviously seen the steps you've taken in your career, the different companies you've worked for, and and obviously now working for Salesforce. So really keen to kind of hear more about you and, and a bit about your journey. And then we'll explore a bit more about your current role and what you do at Salesforce. So I guess to set the scene and to give some of our, our listeners or viewers um, a bit more insight into who you are and, and where you've come from, what was your career before Salesforce? And, and then how did you kind of find your way into the Salesforce ecosystem? Thanks. Thanks, Ben. Uh, pleasure is mine to be a part of your uh, podcast. It's uh, it's a very prominent broadcast and uh you know i think i think it's, uh, it's been gaining a lot of traction off late you know considering the fact that you bought in some of those salesforce guns and uh, uh great to hear their stories and all that and i i think i'm very privileged to actually be a part of uh you know one of your podcasts so there was no career for me been <laughs> uh, before salesforce right it's always been salesforce so i think uh this is my 15th year into the uh, salesforce ecosystem and uh, started my career in salesforce way back in 2008 or something if i'm right you know I used to work for uh, dell back in india in bangalore before i went to the states to do my masters and that was a technical support job but uh, during that a stint there at Dell, actually got exposed to to Salesforce. I mean, and nobody knew what Salesforce at that point. You know, what is Salesforce? I mean, you all know CRM, you know, CRM to an extent because you're in the IT industry, but uh, nobody knows what Salesforce. But then I actually got a chance to get trained a little bit in Salesforce. So I, I knew what accounts and contacts and opportunities and all are. Uh, way back in 2008. And uh, then there was a gap because I went to the States to do my master's. And while doing my master's, I actually got back into Salesforce, joined a small consulting firm in New Jersey, and uh, again, got into uh, a little bit of sales. So obviously, the CRM had, had matured. You know, This was 2011 or something of that sort. Got into that, worked in the States for some time. And then I got went back to India, joined this company called uh, Lister Technologies in Chennai as uh, a Salesforce uh, functional lead and worked primarily very coincidentally, with Australian partners. So um, some of those partners have actually been acquired right now. Some of them are still there, if I'm right. One of them, if I'm right, is PRM. They're based out of Perth. 
So there's another one called Two Cloud Nine. I think it's based out of Melbourne, if I'm right. I'm not sure if they got acquired. But some of those folks from Two Cloud Nine, they actually work. They started Visio, so the company that got acquired by Visio. So they they were a part of Two Cloud Nine. It's it's a small ecosystem, Ben. You know, and uh, somewhere or the other, you kind of know each other. Yeah, Cluedo. Cluedo, exactly. So Cluedo was the company, yeah. And the founders of Cluedo for used to work for Two Cloud Nine at one point in time. So yeah. So have you, throughout that kind of journey, you've always been either on the consulting side or obviously now with Salesforce, but have you ever worked directly for a customer? Never really had a chance to work directly with a customer. It's always been partners. And I think 2008 was the only time that I, like I said, I used to work for Dell and I, and that wasn't really an implementation or anything, right? It was more of a training kind of a thing. But since 2010, 11, it's always been partners and partners across the globe, you know, in States, India, New Zealand, Australia. And the funny thing is, depending on which part of the globe you are, everywhere the culture is very different. So, uh, you know, the partner ecosystem in, for example, in India is very different from the partner ecosystem here in ANZ. So, but yeah, it's a great experience. In some way or the other, I'm actually happy that I actually have about 13 or 14 years of experience in the partner ecosystem before I joined here, because it's always good to understand the other side of the fence. Because when you're in Salesforce, sometimes you don't really understand what's happening on the other side of the fence. Mm -hmm. So obviously thinking from the customer's shoes is very important, but it's extremely important to actually think from the partner's shoes also at the same time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously the relationship with um, Salesforce and partners is kind of key to the world of Salesforce and the ecosystem, right? Because the the partners help the ecosystem go round. So yeah, having that knowledge internally at Salesforce and and I guess on both sides of the fence, having that appreciation for what the other party's thinking is, is valuable. That's right. So you obviously, I, I'd kind of um, overlooked the fact you worked at Dell, which was on an internal support role, right? So you were looking after their own Salesforce application at that point. No, it wasn't their uh, Salesforce. I, uh, maybe their, you know, their applications have actually moved to Salesforce. So I used to do technical support there, and uh, essentially, you know, I would get calls from customers in the states. And uh, I would basically need to fix their laptops and uh, and their desktops and all that, and obviously do a little bit of cross selling and upselling. So, if I if I take that scenario now, you know, it's a classic service cloud and uh, you know sales cloud scenario. So maybe maybe their their systems have actually transferred into into sales cloud or service cloud now. But at that point in time, it was uh, their homegrown application, and uh, you know, I was just doing their technical support job. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So in your career, you've um, you've held like different roles. So you've been a project manager, you've been a, a functional consultant. I think you you've held the strategist role as well. And and sometimes you know you've you've worn more than one hat at a time. So for a company, you might have worked as a functional consultant and a project manager. How has it benefited you being adaptable and also kind of being willing to wear multiple hats? That's a great question, and um, I think it. The early part of my career was all around kind of experimenting, you know, what is the best role that I I fit into. And the reason I specify early part of my career, Ben, is because it's a period. Sometimes we kind of go behind the title, right? We we think, okay, project manager, a consultant, or, you know, a consultant is not a great job, you know, project manager is different. But it takes those experiments and it takes some of those failures into consideration to understand that, you know, you, you need to have a consultative mindset irrespective of the role that you do. Obviously, being, if you're a project manager, you can't be getting into the weeds as much as a consultant or, you know, a functional leader or whatever, right? So, from that angle, it actually helped me to understand those different uh, different roles. Now, I think it's towards the last about three or four years that I understood that consulting is the area that I want to really focus on. And uh, obviously, specifically revenue cloud and code to cash. 
that's a different thing that I can I can get into later. But I think all these roles actually help me to to really appreciate the fact that Salesforce ecosystem, you know, cannot be successful with one single role. You know, all these roles actually have to coexist, and they all have different roles to do. But some way or the other, they're all connected to each other. Because for me personally, this is my opinion. You know, you need to have a little bit of Salesforce skills to be successful you know, irrespective of the role that you play. Like as, you know, I, I think we, we were having a chat earlier. Even a salesperson should have a fair amount of Salesforce knowledge to understand and appreciate that this is what Salesforce can do. Yeah, and I guess back to your point about like now that you work at Salesforce to understand what the partners are thinking. I guess it's similar in when you've been a project manager and a functional consultant, right? You, you might be performing the role of a functional consultant, but you can kind of understand what the project manager is thinking or why they're making certain decisions or how you can make their life easier as well, I guess, like being able to kind of step in and take some of the load off them at times or or just perform your role more effectively knowing what they're trying to achieve. That's spot on, Ben. I mean, especially that point that you mentioned earlier around, you know, taking on some of their, you know, we're not stepping into their shoes or anything of that sort. We're not crossing the boundaries or anything of that sort. But then thinking from their perspective and and appreciating the fact that, okay, this is, you know, just taking an example of a user story, you know, go to the nth level of detail in a user story. Now, that's what the project manager says. I mean, why are we going into the nth level of detail? We can always go high level and start implementing, right? So it is to contain your scope. It is to think about what is your most viable product. Think about an MVP, an MVP plus, an MVP plus plus kind of an approach. So a project manager would always be thinking about from a go-to-market strategy standpoint. So if we can think about it from that lens, we start appreciating that this is the reason why your project manager is actually asking you to do that, you know, instead of just getting into the implementation mode. So absolutely. So having worked in consulting for a long time, and I am friends with people that you worked with before, and and the feedback I've heard on your consulting skills are are very good. So what do you think makes a a good consultant? What is the kind of, I guess, attributes or skills or, or even the mindset of a consultant? For me, Ben, the most important aspect, it might sound very uh, very naive and very simple, but for me, the most important thing about being a consultant is to articulate anything that you say in the most simplest of ways, right? Let me give you an example, okay? So you you have a requirement, and then you put the requirement in front of your, your developer. And uh, the developer, you know, and then we ask the developer, okay, how do you do this? So the developer would say, oh, you know what, let's write a trigger, a before update trigger, which can actually go in and update this particular field in there, which will actually write a flow and all that. You come up with all these flashy terms, right? At the end of the day, when you present something like that to a customer, the customer is like, I don't care about what is a trigger. I don't care about metadata or anything like that. So, right? Just explain to me in layman's terms. The moment you can actually start doing that to a customer or to people around you, that's when you actually become a consultant. And I think that is the most important skill set. Product knowledge, Salesforce knowledge, you know, CPQ, billing, you know, all of that, that's all great to have. I mean, you know, keep it in your back pocket. But ability to articulate, you know, something to a customer in the simplest of words, that's probably the most important thing that a consultant needs. And obviously, that's not necessarily the role of a developer, right? So a developer isn't always expected to be able to do that. But have you, in your career, having worked with developers, have you noticed that the ones that can also do that are, you know, maybe better developers or or go further in their career because they can cut the technical chat and be able to articulate the, like you said, the layman term example or story to a customer as well? Absolutely, Ben. So let's see, for me, right from the beginning, I think one of my earliest mentors way back in 2012 or 13 have told me that a techno-functional consultant is much, much more powerful in terms of 
you know, when it comes to career progression, a techno-functional consultant has a lot of avenues. So if you call a developer or a consultant, at the end of the day, they're all titles. You know, we're all consultants, you know, we should be consultants by heart, right? So if a developer can actually start thinking about the same trigger example that I told you about earlier. So it's a simple thing. Like I'll probably get into it a little later. So there was a mock interview that I conducted uh, recently to a bunch of upcoming women who actually want to get back into the, the ecosystem. So one of the women I spoke to, she articulated a solution in a very nice way. And she consistently made use of the term accounts instead of customer. I said, you know, your solution is great. But if you can simply do a control F and replace that accounts with customer, your solution is actually going to be more impactful. So if the same developer can actually replace some of those terminologies like a trigger or a flow or a metadata into something which a customer can actually relate, the developer at the end of the day is conveying the same thing. It's those simple changes which can actually elevate that person's capability to another level. So Yeah, that's such a good uh, a good way of thinking about it and, and articulating it. I think... Um... Yeah, just to put yourself in the other person's shoes and try to imagine what they're looking for or you know, what would they understand or what do they want to hear and what, what's going to resonate with them, I guess. That's right. That's, that's absolutely right, yeah. So we know you now as a CPQ specialist or, or Revenue Cloud, and, and that's kind of been your area of focus from what I, I understand for a, quite a while now, but most definitely the last couple of roles. You know, you were a strategist in your previous role. Now, obviously, you're with Salesforce. So what was it that first interested you about the world of CPQ and, um, and why was it appealing enough for you to want to specialize? <laughs> I think this is uh, this is an area that I have. The specific question is something that uh, you know that I've touched on quite a lot. A lot of people actually ask me this uh, this particular question, and it's it's an area that I, that continue to fascinate me all the time. Ben, so Salesforce CPQ triggered my interest way back in 2012 when it used to be called Invoice IT. Invoice IT was a product on the App Exchange, a very simple tool that that helps in generating a quote. You can add some products to your uh, to your quote, and then you know you can you can associate that to an opportunity. And uh, we were actually implementing invoice IT for a customer in the states, for a media customer in the states, way back in 2012. And uh, the reason that triggered my interest, Ben, was because when the tool was not there, when when that app was not there. The whole process of creating that, you know, implementing that functionality took us about, you know, I think it took us about a couple of weeks or something. And the moment we had this app in place, the whole process of creating that quote and associating to the opportunity and all of that quote to cash lifecycle happened in about two or three minutes or something. And I was like, two weeks of effort can actually be completed in two hours. I mean, just just imagine, you know, the power of this particular thing. And this was way back in 2012. And as expected, Invoice IT got acquired by this other firm called Steelbrick. And uh, Steelbrick got acquired by Salesforce. And I moved away from, from Invoice IT. I think 2013 is when I, I kind of got into, you know, general Salesforce and project management and stuff of that sort. And when I got back to IBM, to Blue Wolf in 2016, by then, Steelbrick acquisition was over. You had Salesforce CPQ in place, Salesforce billing in place. And uh, I was actually lucky to be trained one of those two people in APAC to be trained in Salesforce billing. So Salesforce billing was still in beta at that phase. So we were a part of Blue Wolf. Blue Wolf, again, you know, some a great company to work for, uh, great people there. Send me for training because of the fact that I was actually passionate about Code to Cash. So stopped somewhere in 2013, got back to Code to Cash in 2016. And then when there's been no looking back, I mean, it's, it's been, even though I got into project management at SaaS Focus, 
there was always, you know, a focus on CPQ even during that job. And that's why I'm here at Salesforce now. And initially when, when you, because I, I know now there's like this um, push to be um, a specialist and, and there's more like obviously industry verticals and so on. But I, I think some people are hesitant to specialize because they're like, well, is that then limiting my opportunities in the market? But at the time, obviously, like you said, that you were one of two people in APAC trained in billing. Did you ever see specializing as a risk or did you always see it as an opportunity? It's a, it's a very good question. And, you know, some people still think that specializing in a particular product can be risky because of the fact that that particular product is fit only for certain industries. And I think that's the reason why I intentionally chose Salesforce CPQ as a product that I want to specialize in as opposed to, let's say, a Velocity or an Aptis or some of the other or a CloudSense, which has so much of specialities in there. And you actually have to be well-versed in every single product if you want to work for a particular industry. Like, for example, if you take industries, there is a there is a communication cloud product in there. There's one for utilities, you know, media, etc. And each product is actually based on its own. But CPQ, Salesforce CPQ and billing, on the other hand, and you have subscription management also now. Fortunately, the whole revenue cloud suite actually, you know, kind of suits almost any industry. Yes, it's true that beyond a certain limit, the product might not suit certain industries. But if you are an SMB or if you are in the growth sector, Salesforce CPQ is probably a lot better than some of those other, you know, bigger CPQ tools. So from that angle, irrespective of the industry that you want to focus in, you can actually, so so it's the combination. But if you ask me if there is a particular industry that I'm actually really, really interested in, obviously it's high tech and communication because that's the area that Salesforce CPQ is like a super duper perfect fit in. But at the same time, I have done a lot of projects in manufacturing also, which, you know, I can get into that area also, yeah. Yeah, so really it's about identifying the opportunity and, and doing the research and making sure that you're kind of aware of the market fit, right? So that you, you align yourself to a vertical, a product, uh, something that, that has that kind of market share or the, the ability to take that market share, I guess. Correct, correct. And that's where, you know, you spoke about the different roles that I played. And the strategist, the principal strategist role that I played at Simplest was all about advisory. And when we say advisory, the CPQ as a product or code to cash, any code to cash product for that matter, is a very niche product. Unlike, you know, implementing your sales cloud or service cloud or your marketing cloud, you know, it requires a certain amount of advisory to ensure that the customer is actually signing up for success. And when they are investing into something as niche as CPQ, to ensure that they actually drive ROI out of that, to make sure that they take a crawl, walk, run kind of an approach. An advisory approach is really important. And that's the reason why I think not just me, I think generally a lot of implementations actually had to kind of go pear-shaped to understand, for customers also to understand that, you know, this kind of an advisory is important before we embark on something as niche as a CPQ implementation. And that's where Simplest did really well over there because they had a solid advisory practice. And uh, being a part of that practice, it was all about, you know, running those advisory sessions before we get into the actual implementation phase. So how would you describe your current role then at Salesforce? It's quite similar to what I did at Simplest. Uh, but very different also at the same time. So out here, I am a senior success architect specializing in revenue cloud and sales excellence. I'll get into the sales excellence part in some time. So out here, it's all post-sales. There's no pre-sales element here. So once the customer, and we specifically deal with the top end strategic customers who have signed up for premier success or uh, signature success. And the reason I specify that is because 
The moment a customer actually signs up for Premier or Signature Success, there's a whole suite of advantages that the customer can actually leverage from this team called the Customer Success Team, which I am a part of. So the Customer Success Team comprises of your Customer Success Managers, you've got your Success Guides, and then you've got people like me who are part of the Success Architect Team. It used to be called... Skippy earlier. Skippy is SCPP. SCPP is Strategic Customer Project and Program Engagements. The term is not there anymore. They've actually changed that term to something called product success. So I'm actually a part of the product success team. And um, it's a global team, but we've got a small team here. And I am the revenue cloud product success architect for the entire APAC region, which includes all the way from India to New Zealand. And what I do over there is I engage with customers. Customers might probably have an issue or they actually want to understand, they want to reap more from their ROI. And this is where I said it's very similar to what I did uh, at Simplest, where you actually have to do an advisory kind of a role. There is architecture analysis, but then we don't really do any hands-on work here. It's all advisory. And uh, it can range anywhere from a couple of hours all the way to about three or four weeks of engagement with a customer. We also do a lot of proactive engagements where we actually analyze their Salesforce usage and Salesforce CPQ and billing usage specifically and see if there is something that we can do to actually improve that. Or if they're not really making use of it, it might be a training issue. So then, you know, we actually engage the right training, the alliances team to ensure that they work with a partner. And we also work with the enablement team. Otherwise, it might be an architecture thing where we actually have to get into it and find out that, okay, this is the area that needs improvement. How do we work? So we obviously work very closely with the partner also and uh, make sure that both the partner and the... Because at the end of the day, when we go to a customer, we go in as a single team. And this is where I told you earlier, working in that partner ecosystem was actually very important because we understand things from their perspective too. So the partner and Salesforce go together and ensure that the customer is actually set up for success. Yeah, nice. And I guess um, when people externally think of Salesforce and working at Salesforce, they probably think of, you know, you're either a salesperson, you're you're an account executive, or you're in yeah. professional services and implementation, maybe. That's right. So from a, obviously, you've explained what you do as part of the customer success team. But yeah. but more broadly, um, I guess the title kind of gives it away, right? Customer success. But but what's the broader team and, and across that group? Who are they helping mainly? And, and where are they kind of looking to add the most value? Absolutely. So, Ben, customer success, as you know, is one of the most important values of Salesforce. And for me personally, customer success is my most favorite value. Uh, Trust is very critical. You know, there's nothing beyond that. But for me, if you ask me what is my favorite, probably it's customer success. And not because I'm working for them, because it's a value that I have actually upheld since the start of my career. And I believe that customer success is very important to ensure that you actually get repeat business from the customer because you're not you're not implementing something and going away. And that's exactly what the customer success team does. You're right. I mean, you spoke about account executive sales team. You know, you got your uh, marketing team there. You got your professional services team there. Customer success actually works with all these teams, you know, at the same time. So we are actually a conduit. You know, one of my ex-managers here at Salesforce, she actually put this in a very, very nice way. She says, the customer success team is actually the WD-40, which comes in and, you know, if there is an issue that the customer has, we actually sprain the WD-40, which is the customer success team, and make sure that, you know, things are okay. Then you might think, oh, you know, isn't that what the support team does? we got nothing to do with the support team. We obviously help the support team also in probably identifying that this is a support case and, you know, they, it needs to be dealt with them. But we take a very different kind of an approach, you know, where we actually go and we consult. And uh, apart from the success architects, I did mention about the success managers earlier. So success managers 
do a lot. They work very closely with the customers. There's no named success managers per se, but then they actually work very closely with the customers to make sure that you know they have a roadmap and uh, all the recommendations that are provided by the success architects are actually implemented. It's fit into the customer's roadmap. So that is also a key thing that they do. Apart from all those, you actually have your success guides also. So who are a part of the same organization itself, but then they would actually engage with the customers in a very precise kind of engagements. Or if the customer is actually asking for an accelerator kind of a session, they need some advanced training or something of that sort, the success guides would come in and they would do some training. And if something is beyond the success guides, that's when us as a success architects come in and provide that, uh, that extra help to the customers. So obviously your specialism is CPQ and billing, but there's other, yeah. so each architect will be aligned to a Salesforce product? That's exactly right. So I did mention about sales excellence earlier. So apart from Revenue Cloud, the other area that I specialize in for APAC is sales excellence. We actually look at the customer's sales processes and find out how we can actually optimize that. Obviously, the customers that deal with us are, you know, they all have Salesforce. And uh, my specific area is around sales cloud. The reason I chose Sales Cloud is because Revenue Cloud is actually a part of Sales Cloud itself. And, um, you know, you help in actually defining what are the numbers that the customers actually want to meet after the investment in Salesforce and what are the numbers that they can meet once you actually implement some of those recommendations. So that's the that's the sales excellence part that I'm talking about. Apart from that, you have success architects specializing in field service, then there is experience cloud, uh, there's core, obviously, you know, a whole bunch of uh, core architects are there. And uh, there's commerce cloud, B2B commerce, marketing, CDP is there, Genie is a big part of it. And that's the reason why the success architect groups have been renamed as product success, because you're all specializing in a particular product. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know another thing that you're you're passionate about is, um, I believe you're a trailblazer guide. And obviously, that's something that you've chosen to do off your own bat that wouldn't have necessarily been in your job description. So why why is that something that you've chosen to do? And for anyone that doesn't understand or hasn't heard of the uh, the Trailblazer Guide role or uh, responsibility before, what does that mean? Yeah, absolutely, uh, Ben. That's a role that I'm very, very passionate about. And uh, it's it's not just as a part of Salesforce. I've always been passionate about, about mentoring and uh, guiding people on their career. And the reason for that is because you know, I'm in the Salesforce ecosystem and things are very open here. You have your trailhead, which actually helps in enabling yourself in whatever way area that you want to get into. It can be product. It can be uh, like this morning, I was actually having a chat and with somebody internally. And I knew that there is actually a trailhead, you know, there is a badge for financial well-being in trailhead. So irrespective of, you know, what you want to get into, there's, there's always an avenue to learn. And Trailblazer Guide, as the role indicates, it's about you know, guiding people in the ecosystem how to actually become a trailblazer. And uh, Trailblazer probably is the best way by which you can actually learn Salesforce. You have your uh, Trailblazer community where you can jump in and you can ask your questions and you have answers, you know, coming in like immediately. And from what we know at this point in time, there's about 9.3 million jobs that will be up for grabs by 2026. And uh, the Trailhead community, the Trailblazer community is instrumental in ensuring that everybody can actually leverage and get one of those jobs. So, so a trailblazer guide internally is is very important. We actually run sessions and uh just like the session that I'm actually running with you now, uh, I can even go to, to my previous uh, educational institution, run a session there to motivate the students there to kind of come into Salesforce. I can even be running a session on one of those architecture uh, boards also. So it completely depends on me where I actually run those sessions. And uh, as a trailblazer guide at the end of the day, it is about you know spreading 
uh, awareness about the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And as part of that, you mentioned before that you're passionate about you know helping people back into the workforce. There's different groups that you've been involved yeah. in. So um, as part of your role, um, who do you get to mentor? And, and I guess my final question would be um, that you can kind of go on into would be for anyone that's on the periphery of the ecosystem and, you know, unsure about where they fit into the Salesforce world, what kind of advice would you give them? So I can give you an example, you know, that I actually undertook uh, last week. So this was with an organization called Generation Australia. So it was a, a voluntary activity. Obviously, Salesforce is big time into, into voluntary activities. And that's the other thing that I, I think I've, I've really leveraged after I got into Salesforce because life before Salesforce is all about, you know, it's consulting world is, is, is all about doing a lot of billable work. You might not really have the time to get into volunteering. But Salesforce has this 56 hours of, you know, volunteering hours that's being given to every single employee that it's up to you to leverage. And as a part of that, something that I actually did was for Generation Australia, where we actually ran these mock interviews for uh, women who are actually keen to come back into the workspace. So it was specific to Salesforce because they all undertook some training in Salesforce and we had to train them on how to attend interviews, how to present themselves in front of interviews and all that. Now, the important thing over there is all these women, you know, some of them, some of them actually have a lot of experience, but it's not experience in Salesforce. They actually have their own companies also. They have their own consulting companies. But Salesforce is a different ballgame altogether. And that's where your consultative skills comes into the picture. Some of them would probably want to get into the development stream. So you, you kind of guide them on what, what are the areas that they need to focus on. So this is one kind of mentoring that I do. Apart from this, like I said earlier, being a trailblazer guy, there's a whole bunch of mentoring that I do to to students. So, so a lot of students actually from kids who are graduating from 12th standard or year 12 and all that, they would actually come into the Salesforce tower. We actually spend time with them to train them and mentor them. So there's so many ways in which, you know, we can actually mentor kids who want to make a career in Salesforce. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and uh, it's amazing. That's one of the best things about Salesforce, the time they give employees to to give back and you know it's at the core of the business right that's right but yeah so and just on that that kind of last point around people that might kind of doubt their stance or their their ability to get a job in the salesforce ecosystem or you know they might come from a non-it background or might be kind of struggling to see where they would fit into the ecosystem what would you say to someone like that Oh, I think we should never be having that kind of doubt. And this is the constant advice. There are so many people, especially after I joined Salesforce, there's been uh, an influx of questions coming in from my contacts on LinkedIn, you know, asking, okay, how do I make a switch to Salesforce? How do I make a switch? It might be because of the fact that, you know, they're, they're not really able to progress in their career, but then they see that Salesforce folks are actually progressing quite a lot. And what I tell them is, because there's a massive skill shortage. Now, yes, it's true that every job requires a fair bit of experience. But at the same time, I think if you are able to upskill yourself using Trailhead, get some certifications, there's the associate certification, which has just come in, leverage all that and, and make sure that, you know, you're really good at what you're doing. And I'm pretty sure, you know, there is there are jobs available. And don't think about the fact that, you know, the moment you want to get into a job, you actually want to move to the most uh, senior level there. You, you The career progression will be there. It's all about enabling yourself and making sure that, you know, you're really good at what you're doing. So, and, and the resources are there. It's all free. So just leverage that. Yeah, I think um, there's no need to run before you can walk, right? I think it's important to build that foundational knowledge Correct. before you go for that kind of senior role or that, that can be done on trailhead. But obviously the value of finding a role where a company will invest in you and give you that training and, and structure as well um, shouldn't be overlooked. That's right. And like I said earlier, 
the Trailblazer ecosystem and Trailhead has become so diverse that the learning is not just limited to the product itself. It's about your consulting skills. It's about business analysis. It's about, obviously, Salesforce has got a business analysis certification now. There's so much of skills that if, if you want to get into accounting, like, for example, I'm taking Salesforce billing as an example, right? I mean, there's no point knowing Salesforce billing as a product if you don't know the basics of accounting. So you want to know the basics of accounting, jump into Trailhead and learn, you know, accounting 101. There you go. And, and then you can get into the product. So it's, it's about what you want to really focus on. And uh, everything is actually there for you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insight. And for anyone that wants to reach out and pick your brains and uh, just ask some questions maybe about your career or or the kind of mentoring that you provide to the ecosystem, things like that, where's the best place to find you? Oh, please reach out to me on LinkedIn at any point in time. I'm very responsive on LinkedIn. The moment you message me, I think within a couple of hours, I'm pretty sure I would get back to you. There's no need to hesitate. Always, always happy to help. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. No problems, Ben. Great talking to you. Thank you. So that's a wrap for this week's episode. And thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the chat. And if you did, please make sure you have subscribed for future episodes that are coming through. I would also be very grateful if you would consider leaving a review on your chosen podcast platform as five-star reviews will help us to reach more trailblazers from across the world. I look forward to sharing another episode with you soon. And thanks again.